verse 31, read through verse 35, and then also read verses 69 to 74. So be prepared for that as well. But before we do that, let's continue on in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, continuing in our heart of prayer. Lord, recognizing that we don't come here today because that we are because we are somehow offering something for your benefit. But Lord, we come here today recognizing that we are in deep need of you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we're not as strong as we sometimes think we are. Lord, we're frail. We're spiritually needy. At times we're unwise, especially in our own devices, in our own imaginations, in our own intellect. Lord, there are times when we may be even smart according to the world's standards. But sometimes in the kingdom of Christ, we act very unwisely. Lord, every day, we need you. And so, Lord, we come before you today, and Lord, we recognize our own sinfulness. We recognize our own need for repentance. For this week, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But Lord, we thank you that when we come before you through faith in Jesus Christ and his shed blood for us and through his resurrection, we receive grace upon grace. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your grace. It is only by your grace by which we stand, by which we come before you. And you welcome sinners such as us to come before you and receive forgiveness and help in our time of need. And so, Lord, that's what we come here. We come here, yes, offering our sacrifice of praise, yes, recognizing you, but, Lord, we recognize you as the fountain of living water. And, Lord, we praise you as the source of life and the source of wisdom and the source of power and the source of strength and the source of healing and the source of every blessing, O fount of living water. And so, Lord, we ask for your grace and forgiveness. And we ask for your empowerment this week to live for Jesus maximally. Lord, for the glory of Christ. Lord, we need you. So, Lord, fill us once again with your presence and with your wisdom this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 31, and reading through verse 35, and then picking back up in verse 69. Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words. Then Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone falls away because of you, I will never fall away. Truly I tell you, 
Jesus said to him, Tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. All the disciples said the same thing. Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl approached him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, You really are one of them, since even your accent gives it away. Then he started to curse and swear with an oath. I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this passage, Lord, we find a sober warning. A warning that we need you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a right estimation of ourselves and a right estimation and understanding of your boundless supply and our moment-by-moment need to depend fully on Jesus by your Spirit for everything, life, and godliness. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. Keep me bound to this text. Help me to present it rightly. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever overestimated your own abilities? Man, I sure have. I remember when I was, a, I was a senior in high school, and I was in the marching band. I was first chair trumpet player in the marching band and the jazz band. And one of the things we got to do my, my senior year was we got to go on to a contest that was out of state. I lived in Oklahoma, and we got to actually go to a contest, a marching band contest that was in Missouri, a little town called Carthage, Missouri, if any of you might be familiar with that town. But one of the cool things about that particular contest is once the contest was over, we got to go over to one of my favorite cities, Kansas City, and uh, partly because I'm a huge fan and so of their sports teams. And so we got to go over to Kansas City to one of the regional amusement parks there that was called Worlds of Fun. And it was a blast. And I remember walking around there with a few friends, with my girlfriend and a few other friends, and we came up upon this game. And this particular game was a game where you got a chance to throw a baseball and you got to, you had to estimate the speed at which you would throw it. There was a little radar gun inside of there and you would estimate the speed at which you would throw the baseball. And if you got within one mile an hour of your actual speed, you would win the big teddy bear. And so as someone who played trumpet in the marching band... (laughs) I thought, well, of course, I could do this. I played Little League. (laughs) 
And so I paid the money, the $3, however much it was, and I got a baseball, and I proceeded to wind up, and then the pitch, and I'll just be honest, I didn't hit the catcher. (laughs) I I, I didn't even, when the ball left my hand, it began to sail. It sailed high. It actually sailed over the net, (laughs) into, over the crowd of people, (laughs) and into the area where the roller coaster is, (laughs) over the fence. The lady came to me, and she took the other two baseballs from my hand, (laughs) and she said, that will be enough. (laughs) Here is your refund. (laughs) And I looked up at the gun, at the little radar thing, and it registered a big fat goose egg. (laughs) A big zero. I turned to my girlfriend and said, let's go ride the roller coaster. (laughs) I was not impressing anyone that day. You know, overestimating your abilities and your gifts to impress the girls with your athleticism is one thing. But overestimating your spiritual abilities is quite another. Overestimating your ability to do anything pleasing to God without the Spirit of God and the power of God and the Word of God and the Christ of God. Overestimating your own ability to pleasing to be pleasing to God will lead you to disaster in your spiritual life. Have you ever found yourself doing the very thing you said you would never do? So many people today, and especially in the post-pandemic world, are doing the very thing that they said they would never do. There's this whole movement of deconstruction around us where people, young people, or people really of all ages, people even my age and even older, are, are leaving the faith, are walking away from Christ. The very thing they said they would never do. Are you saying the things you just knew you would never say? I will never deny. I will never yield. I will never be like that. I'll never go in in that direction. I'll never be like those people over there. And not long after that moment, that moment of that overestimation of your own strength, you are silent when you should have spoken. Or you find yourself having moved far away from Christ. Here in this passage, we see Peter telling Jesus, oh no, I can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. And Jesus says to Peter, you're not even going to get it across the plate. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of instruction we can get out of this passage for our own souls today. I want to title today's message, We're Not As Strong As We Think We Are. And what can we learn from Peter's denial? Not to, not to look down on Peter, but to look inward to our own souls and use this passage as a warning, as a strengthening, as a call to continual dependence upon Jesus, rightly estimating our own need of Him. 
So five aspects I see in this passage of what we learn about how we are not as strong as we think we are. Number one is this. We often fail to believe Jesus' warnings. We often fail to believe Jesus' warnings. In verse 31, Jesus warns the disciples. He says, all of you will fall away. Jesus prophesies the response. You will fall away. He predicts, he predicts their crowd mentality. You all will fall away. Every single one of you disciples will fall away. The word is inclusive. All of you will fall away. Not a single disciple will stand. All of them are going to be scandalized by the end of this chapter. All will run. Jesus also predicted the imminent nature of their falling away. This night you will fall away. It is already dark at this moment. Jesus is probably saying this around 11 o'clock at night. Jesus says this night before the day dawns this evening you will fall away. This fall will happen within hours. But Jesus, Peter protests Jesus and Peter says in his protesting Galilean accent he says I will never fall away. Verse 35, the disciples chime in as well, and they say the same thing. Oh, yes, we agree with him. We will never fall away. We're all strong. None of us will fail. But look at verse 40. Verse 40, it says, He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Look at verse 43. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. Look at verse 56. But all these things happened so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, not some, but all, all, all of the disciples that very night, all of them deserted him and ran away. And by the end of this chapter, Peter is cursing. He's cussing as he disowns the one who calms the storms. As he disowns the one who called him Peter the rock. As he says, I do not know the one whom he had seen raise the dead. I do not know the one whom he had seen heal diseases. I do not know the man who I heard preach the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know what you're talking about. The disciples failed to heed Jesus. They also failed to heed Scripture. Because Jesus in this passage in verse 31 also quotes Scripture. He says, at least listen to Zechariah. Zechariah says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Saying this is a prophecy of this very night. So my question for you do you heed the warnings of Jesus? Do you heed the warnings of Jesus? Do you heed the warnings of Scripture? Just like a warning light on your dashboard of your car that might be blinking at you, warning, 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 engines getting hot, warning, tires deflated, warning, you need to take it in to be serviced. 
So oftentimes I think we go to the scripture and we, ah, that's for somebody else. Or we feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit at our heart, warning us by our consciences, warning us in our souls, don't go that direction. We think, ah, oh, that just must be something that I ate. And, and, and we go ahead and engage in what we know that the Spirit is leading us against or don't do what the Spirit has said for us to do. At that moment, we are stronger than we think we are, because, or we are weaker than we think we are. We're not as strong as we think we are because we are not listening. We are not listening to the Lord. We're listening to our own wisdom rather than the wisdom of Christ. Think about some of the warnings from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Watch out, brothers and sisters. Think about who he's talking about. Brothers and sisters. Not watch out, unbelieving worlds. Watch out, family of God. So that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Warning. Watch out. He's not saying that you're going to lose your salvation. What he's saying there is there are some people who have all of the appearance of godliness but deny its power. There are some who look really good on the outside who maybe even have a lot of people in their lives that would say, yeah, that person's a Christian. But on the inside, they've never truly been converted. They've never truly trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord. And this passage is a warning to them. It's also a warning to us who are believers. Those of us who are believers, it's a warning to examine our souls. Watch out. Watch out. Don't be like Peter and say, I got this. Heed the warning of the passage. You need Jesus every hour. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16, another warning. Strive for peace with everyone and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So there is a holiness you need in order to see the, see the Lord. And the Bible says to strive for it. Go after this holiness. Strive for it. I know that righteousness is a gift, but at the same time, it is a striving in our lives. There's nothing in Scripture that bans faith-fueled effort to strive for holiness. We ought to be striving for godliness, recognizing our own propensity to walk away the moment we trust in our own strength rather than trust in the strength of Christ alone. For the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many have become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Esau was awfully small and not as strong as he thought he was. Here in this one text, we see many warnings that we face in today's church, in today's society. He talks about striving for peace with everyone, striving for holiness, watching out for the root of bitterness, watching out for sexual immorality. All of those realities are infiltrating the church today. 
And we as the people of God must strive against them, heeding the warnings of God, heeding the voice of the Spirit of Christ. When the Spirit of Christ warns us through a check in our soul or through our conscience or through a passage of Scripture, the warning is there for a reason. These are not idle words. These are words of life. These are words of the Spirit. These are words that Jesus understood that we would need these soul-saving warnings in our lives so that we would know what to look out for, so that we would know that we can't do this on our own. We need Jesus. We need His Spirit and His Word every single microsecond of our lives. We're not as strong as we think we are because we often fail to heed Jesus' warnings. Number two, Why are we not as strong as we think we are? Because, number two, we look down on other believers. We look down on other believers. When Jesus tells the disciples, you will all fall away, Peter says, "Mm mm-hmm, you're right, you're right, Jesus. All of these guys will fall away. (laughs) But I will never fall away. At that moment, Peter was looking down on the other disciples. What's interesting to note, at this point in Luke's gospel, he tells a story that is not included here in Matthew's account. It's in Luke's account of these happenings. But at this moment, the disciples were arguing about something. They were arguing about who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus talks to them about that, that you ought to take the lowest point. You ought to seek to be the servant. You ought to become the slave. And then at that moment, Peter is saying, yeah, all of those guys are going to fall away, but I will never. I will never disown you. I will never fall away. And he looks down on other disciples. He reveled in their weaknesses. He was putting others down in order to build himself up. He was willing to step on others and their weaknesses in order to make himself appear and look higher than he really was. As the leader at that moment, Peter should have called a prayer meeting at that moment. Instead, he descends into criticism and judgment of those he deemed as lesser than himself, as less spiritually advanced as less spiritually capable than himself. James chapter 4, verse 11 says we have this temptation as well. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Instead, Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I wonder sometimes there is so much of our Christian culture that is built upon looking down on other brothers and sisters in Christ rather than seeking to build them up, rather than seeking to correct them when they need to be corrected. And rather we push them Social media, Twitter, is saturated with this attitude today. It's the crab in the bucket mentality of you put crabs, and if you put one crab in the bucket, it's going to crawl out. You put, how do you keep a crab in a bucket? You put at least two of them in there. Why? Because one, when one starts to crawl out of the bucket, the one that's at the bottom of the bucket will reach up and grab the other one and pull it down. And that's so often the mentality 
that we have in our sinful weakness. It's not only the crab in the bucket mentality, it's the plank eye syndrome. We refuse to take the plank out of our own eye, and rather we go to our brother's eye and say, you look, you've got a speck of sawdust in your eye. It's the plank eye syndrome. Can you believe how weak so-and-so is? Can you believe what fill-in-the-blank did? Can you believe what they said? And there's no prayer and no pursuit of the weaker brother. That's what we're missing here in this passage. Peter is not pursuing his weaker brothers. He's the leader. <laughs> He's not pursuing his weaker brothers. He's not praying for his weaker brothers. If it is true that, yes, if, you, if it is true that you're the one that's going to stand up and everybody else is going to fall, what are you doing, Peter? Pray for him. Let me go after him. Love him. Oh, but there's none of that. There's only critique. There is only putting down. And there is no humble admission of his own propensity to sin. And that brings us to point number three. And point number three goes along with point number two. Point number two, he puts down other believers. Point three, we have an inflated opinion of ourselves. Those two often go together. We have an inflated opinion of ourselves. We look down on others when we think we are stronger than we really are. Peter says, I, I, I will never fall away. In verse 35, Peter says, even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. But by the end of this night, in fact, just a few hours after he said these very words, Peter is running away having denied his Savior three times. And the rooster crowing is a witness from the animal kingdom shouting out that, Peter, this prophecy has been fulfilled. You are not as strong as you think you are. In a moment when Peter thinks he has enough strength in himself to walk on the waves of obedience, Jesus warns him, you're about to sink like a rock. And the same problem that he had when he got out of that boat is the same problem he has in this moment. He looks at the waves, he looks at himself, he looks at his own abilities, he thinks he can do it, he gets his eyes off of Jesus and dependence upon Jesus. When he crawled out of the boat, and praise God, he climbed out of the boat. Man, that guy has some faith. He climbed out of the boat, but then he sank. And the same thing is true here. He's like, I can walk, and all these guys are going to sink. I'm going to walk. And within the end of this chapter, he's going to be sinking. Be careful. If you think you could never possibly fall, uh, fall, if you can never possibly fall into sin X, or if you could never possibly become like person Z, I'm never going to be like that. Do you know who you sound like? Do you know what that sounds like? Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Look down on everyone else. Notice the intro to that parable. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. One version says to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. I'm a really good Christian. We know in this context, it's prideful of being a really good Pharisee. In that moment, it sounds a whole lot like the voice of Peter. And in our dark moments, and in our sinful pride, sometimes it sounds like us as well. We have an inflated opinion of ourselves. When I was studying this passage, I was reminded of an old Rich Mullins song. Thank you for singing Rich Mullins today. But I was reminded of an old Rich Mullins song of the same title. We're not as strong as we think we are. And the chorus goes like this. We are frail, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, forged in the fires of human passion, but choking on the fumes of selfish rage. With these, our hells and our heavens so few inches apart, we must be awfully small and not as strong as we think we are. A prophet from the grave, so to speak, speaking through song there to us in our world today, we often have an inflated opinion of ourselves. You know what happens when you look down on others and when you have an inflated opinion of yourself? Do you know what happens? Number four, we fail to pray. We fail to pray. We know that if we were to read on in this passage, Jesus and the disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane. I hinted at it earlier when we read a few verses from that passage, but we know what happened. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, pray, pray, pray with me. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. Jesus goes and he prays and he sweats drops of blood. But what happens in that moment when the disciples should be praying? They are sleeping. Yes, I understand that they are tired, but Jesus had just warned them, you're about to fall. You, this is the moment you need strength. This is the moment you need prayer. This is the hour you need to stand firm. And in that particular moment, they are falling asleep. Do you know how to tell if you are in danger of falling? You know that you are in danger of falling and have an overestimation of your own strength. And you know that you're pressing down on others when you are not praying. A lack of prayer is prime evidence that you have an inflated opinion of your own ability to stand, of your own ability to do this thing called the Christian life without a continual dependence upon the Holy Spirit of Christ. We need dependence upon God's grace expressed in prayer. The ones who failed to pray in this passage deserted the very Christ they professed to defend to the end. It's a sober warning for us who live in these last days. We will stand for Christ. We so often claim, oh, we prayed up. Are we read up? Are we humble enough to depend upon Christ in the last days? Because that is the only strength that will enable you to survive. That will be the only strength that will enable you to endure. While the Bible says that the love of many shall wax cold. I wonder if one of the reasons for so many people deconstructing their faith is how many Christians are falling into this pattern of prideful, spirit-ignoring lack of prayer. The lack of prayer is leading so many to walk away. Are you praying? 
Are you depending upon Jesus? Or are you like Peter, picking up your own sword, thinking you can defend yourself in your own strength, and all you do is rather than miss the catcher's mitt, you miss the guy's head and cut off his ear, and that's the best you can do. And then you run away. And by the end of the night, he's cursing Jesus or cursing himself. Number five, we think we are safe outside of Christian community. How are we so strong in our own estimation and not as strong as we really think we are? We know we're at that point when we think that we are safe outside of Christian community. In verse 69, we see that Peter is not with Jesus' people. He is sitting outside in the courtyard. He is sitting with those who are the guards, eventually in this passage. And he is sitting there, not with Christ's followers, but he's hanging out with Christ's arresters. He's hanging out with the very men who arrested Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't go into the world and share the gospel. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have non-Christian friends. Absolutely, I encourage you to for the sake of the gospel. But I wonder how many times in our own lives do we let the world influence us rather than us influencing the world and we see this happening in this passage three times peter is given the opportunity you you're one of them no i do not know the man three times he is given this opportunity to acknowledge his relationship with jesus three times he denies his christ here, there in the courtyard, he has no Christian community. He's already, he's already looked down on the Christian community. I don't need those guys. I'm stronger than them anyway. And eventually, the, the denials start raining down from his lips. I do not know the man. Even by the end of this chapter, in his Galilean country accent, he begins to call down curses on himself, saying, if I even know the man, if I am lying, let me be cursed of God. That's what he's saying. And he's swearing. Oh my. The rooster crows. Luke tells us at that moment in a very dramatic verse of Scripture that right when he denied Jesus the third time and the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at him outside the window from inside Caiaphas' house and they locked eyes. And at that moment, the rooster crows and Peter runs out weeping bitterly. If you think you can remain faithful apart from Christian community, you are self-deceived. That's important in today's world where some are elevating virtual church. And I know there's a reason for some who have Sicknesses. There's some even in the hospital that are watching right now. We're thankful. We're praying for them. We're thankful for this opportunity, this technology. But don't think that you don't need Christian community. You need one another's strength and encouragement and support and prayers so that we can stand together in this evil day. You know, the point of this passage is a warning. But it's also to help those who awaken to their weaknesses and their own inability. 
I want to end this sermon today with a bit of hope as we have gone through these challenges, as we have seen our own weaknesses and our own abilities. And I want to point out to you that in this passage, the disciples aren't the main character. In this passage, Peter really isn't the main character, as we'll find out in the weeks to come. In this passage, Jesus is the main character. Because while all of the disciples fall away, Jesus stands firm. While all of the disciples deny, Jesus stands firm. While all of the disciples are asleep, Jesus stands firm. And Jesus is going to stand firm, not only in this chapter, but also in chapter 28, when he stands firm all the way to that point where Jesus hangs on the cross, paying for the sins of every single one who in their weak moments denied Christ, the sins of the disciples, the sins of Peter, the sins of all of us who have failed Christ. The good news of this passage is we are weak, but the Savior's strong. And He is enough. He is enough. He is sufficient strength and power and glorious wisdom and glorious grace to empower those of us who come to that realization that we cannot do it on our own. Our total inability on full display in this passage, but Christ's total power and total ability on full display in this passage. And by His mercy and grace, He gives His blessing and His grace and his power to anyone who would come to him in faith. That is incredibly good news for those who realize they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves us. Let's pray and then we'll spend a moment of meditation on these things and then we'll respond together. Father, we thank you for your words. Lord, your word is truth. Your word is life. It speaks to us at our deepest levels. And Lord, we have been warned. We have been chastised. We have been corrected by this passage today. Lord, our own need of you has been exposed. Our pride in our own ability has been exposed by this passage. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to not come to this passage and leave with a sense of hopelessness. But Lord, that we would have a renewed sense of dependence upon the all-sufficient Savior. So Lord, I, help, I pray that you would help us to realize in our own lives when we put others down and in order to lift ourselves up. Lord, I pray you would help us to realize those moments when we have ignored the warnings of the Spirit through conscience, through the inner witness of the Spirit, and through your words. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize those moments when we have been prayerless or we have neglected Christian community. And Lord, I pray that all of that would not drive us to despair, but would drive us to humble repentance and would drive us to dependence on your power every day. Lord, we need your strength. We need your blessing. We need your grace. Lord, I pray that you would empower us every day to depend upon you through word, your word and prayer, community. Lord, show us our need of you. Lord, we thank you for it. Why don't we spend a moment of silence and then we'll respond to this message.
Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond to your word, not only through song, but also through life this week, living in dependence upon you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.